Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. Uh, everyone on the stream as well. Uh, I want to begin this morning by asking you this question. How you doing? Okay. Like in my best Italian accent, how you doing? Now, when we first think about this uh, question, uh, we might say, oh, well, I can just say something real quickly. But if we're honest, if we're like really honest, then in a real way, um, it's a little bit more of a complicated question to answer. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, put out a question on our Facebook page, uh, on my personal one, in which I asked this, in one word, describe your emotional state. And then I added to it this, uh, don't lie or cuss, okay? Um, Because typically, what people will do is they will have a tendency to lie, or they might be a little bit too real on social media. And so I went ahead and I looked at uh, the different responses that people gave, and here were just a few of those. Here's some of the responses. Depleted, distraught, drained, frazzled, frustrated, lonely, anxious, stressed, abandoned, exhausted, existing, broken. So let me ask you this question of you this morning. If you were to describe your emotional state in one word, how would you describe it? You know, uh, one of the responses that I got wasn't even a word. The person kind of went rogue. And they just kind of put an emoji out there. And this is what the emoji was. And it's like, I don't know. You know, like seriously, like I don't know. Now, as I thought about this for myself, like what is the one word that would describe my emotional state, my mood, I came up with a word and my word would be unsettled. Right now, uh, in my work world, there are many things that just feel very unsettled, different staff and uh, health of some staff. and, And so things feel just a little bit unsettled. And there are some unknowns there, and I'm not really uh, quite sure exactly what the future is going to hold. And so if I had to think of it for myself, that would be my one word. Well, today uh, we're beginning a brand new series called Mood. And every single one of us have different uh, emotional states, different moods that we have. And over the next uh, four weeks, what we're going to be looking at is kind of four uh, emotional moods that we experience. Now, we'll talk about those throughout our time together, but the reality is, is that Jesus had some moods that he went through too. In fact, as I studied the Gospels, that is the first four books of the New Testament, uh, the stories of Jesus... What I found is that um, Jesus actually expressed or he displayed 39 different moods, 39 different emotions. Now, to be honest, I didn't even know there were 39 emotions. But this past summer, my youngest daughter became a teenager 
And now I have two teenage girls uh, in our house, and sometimes they can go through 39 emotions in 30 seconds. Like in 30 seconds, all of these things can hit all at once. Now, folks, Jesus was God in flesh. He was 100% God, but he also was 100% human. And he expressed and he felt different emotions. He hurt, he grieved, he cried, he got angry, he got frustrated, he got anxious. He experienced a feeling of being overwhelmed, feeling sad, feeling lonely. And then he also expressed emotions like happiness and joy and excitement. Now, Jesus expressed different moods, different emotions. And like I said earlier, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some different uh, moods that he experienced, and in particular, four of them. Today, we're going to look at hurt, and uh, next week, we're going to look at anger, and then week three, we're going to look at one which I think many of us have experienced, and that is anxiety, and how we can find some relief from our anxiety. And then we'll close the series by talking about how we go from sadness to actual joy. Now, this morning, what I want to do is kind of give you a question to kind of focus in on, and this is the question. How does God feel towards us when we hurt? When we're hurting, when we're going through something, how does God feel towards us? And in order to answer that question, we're going to be looking uh, at a story in Luke chapter 7, Uh, starting in verse 11. And what you need to know is that just before this, Jesus actually um, has given his greatest message, his kind of biggest teaching that he ever gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And after this, we land on this story starting in verse 11 in chapter 7. And it says this, soon afterward, in other words, after uh, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son. Now, I want everybody to repeat after me those last two words, only son. One, two, three. Only son. It's his, it's her only son. She has no husband now, and now she has no son. This story continues. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When Jesus saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Now, what is the emotion that Jesus expresses towards this woman? It was what? Compassion. There's this feeling of compassion. His mood was one of compassion. Jesus said, don't cry. Then he walked up to the coffin and he touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Then the story ends by saying this. 
Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. So, let's kind of visualize, if you would, for a second, what's going on here. Uh, Jesus sees this funeral procession, and he walks up to it. Now, funerals were very different in Jesus' day than they are in our day. There, there was no such thing as a funeral home. And so what would happen is they would literally carry the body through the streets. And uh, on the streets, they would play instruments, and there would be all of this mourning uh, from the family and friends for the loss of whoever the person was. And so here is this woman who is filled with grief. She's lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. And she's overwhelmed to the max. Now, we don't know how old this woman was. She might have been in her 20s or 30s. The life expectancy for people in Jesus' day was around 40. So she was a young mom in comparison to what we go through uh, today when we think about people having kids. Now, the other thing uh, we're not really sure is how her husband died. We don't know if it was an accident We don't know if he had a long, prolonged kind of sickness. We don't know. Also, we're not really sure how old the son is. We don't know if he's three years old or if he is maybe 12 years old. But this is what we know, that the woman is overwhelmed to the max with grief. And you can just imagine, not only has she lost her husband, but now her one thing that gave her hope, her one and only son, is gone too. And she's emotional, and she's overwhelmed, and she's grieving in ways that human beings many times can hardly even function in. And she's asking this question, where is God? When you're hurting, have you ever asked that question before? Where is God? In the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, where is God? Then Jesus walks up to the funeral procession, and in verse 13 we read, The Lord Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Folks, have you ever noticed that there is a huge difference between seeing and noticing? Have you ever seen that? Like we see with our eyes, but there's a big difference between seeing something and actually noticing something. I mean, I see all kinds of things, but I don't always notice stuff. And many times as a male, this gets me in trouble, like big time trouble, because this is who I'm married to, Jennifer the Noticer Bunch. She notices everything, everything she noticed. One time, uh, she got her hair cut, and I saw that her hair was on her head. I just didn't notice that she had a new do. And guess what? It was not good in the bunch household for a while. So... I'm just going to give you some advice to all of you who are husbands or if you're dating someone. And that is this, that when you see your wife just two or three times during the week, just say, did you do something new to your hair? Because it looks so great. 
It looks so wonderful. I, I just wondered if you had done, done that. Because two or three times uh, a week when I'm around Jen, I'll just tell Jennifer to notice her, hey, you know, did you do something to your hair? And uh, it looks really nice. I really like that. Or let's think, for instance, if I ever went to your house, my wife many times will be like, did you notice this? For example, did you notice their new countertops? They were amazing. And I was like, no, I didn't notice at all. I noticed the food on the countertops, okay? But, but that was it. I didn't notice the countertops at all. Or uh, when it comes to weddings, oh my gosh, I never knew that there were 43 million things that you could notice at a wedding. And Jennifer, many times we'll go to a wedding and she'll hit me and she'll say, hey, did you notice the flowers? Did you notice the way that the groom looked at his mom? Did you notice the centerpieces on the reception table? And I'll be like, no, 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 I didn't notice that. For me, it's either there's food or there's not food. Like, that's it for me. That's all that I notice. But she notices everything, everything. Now, in our story, Jesus doesn't just see the woman with her eyes with his eyes, he actually notices her hurt. And this leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's your first fill-in, and it's this. Jesus notices your hurt and will care for you. For those of you on the stream, uh, you can type that into your uh, JAR app if you want, but Jesus notices your hurt and he cares for you. So, Here is a single mom. She has lost her husband. She has lost her son, her only son. And in the middle of all of this chaos, Jesus doesn't just see her. He actually notices her hurt. And what emotion again did Jesus express towards the woman when all of this is going on? What was it? Do you remember? It was compassion. He showed compassion. He showed care for this woman. You know, what Jesus felt toward this woman is exactly what Jesus feels towards you. When you're afraid, when you're hurting, when you're wondering whether or not you're going to be able to pay the bills, when your marriage is on the rocks and you're not sure if it's going to make make it or not, when you have a sense that your child has gone off way off rogue and they're rebelling, when someone stabs you in your back, when you're betrayed by someone, in the midst of all of those particular things, Jesus sees you. Jesus notices the hurt that you're experiencing and he reaches out and he gives compassion to you. Again, verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. In other words, folks, there was not enough room in Jesus's heart for this woman. And so it overflows to her and it overflowed with compassion. And he sees her, he notices her, he empathizes with her hurt and he reaches out and he cares for this woman. Folks, I don't know who needs to hear this today, But Jesus knows exactly what you're going through right now. He knows exactly what pain, what hurt, what struggle you're experiencing. 
He's not a distant God who is way off. He is as close as your next breath. And he knows when you're so anxious and you're overwhelmed and your heart is racing and you're wondering these heart palpitations, will they ever go away? And he knows exactly what you're going through. And he walks with you in that moment. He notices you. He sees everything. And he says, you will not have to walk alone in the midst of this. I am with you. In our story, Jesus sees this grieving mom. He hurts for her. He actually grieves with her. And in verse 13, he says this, don't cry, don't cry. And he walks over to the coffin and he touches it. And the bearers, that is the pallbearers, those who are bringing the coffin, they stopped. He touched it. He touched the coffin. Now, what's really interesting is that the coffin wouldn't have been like any kind of coffin that we see today. Today, there are four sides to the coffin, and on the top, there is this lid, and it opens up. But in Jesus' day, the coffin would have just been this plain sheet of wood and wheels attached underneath it, and they would roll this in the streets, and the body would be exposed to everyone, and everyone could see it. So when Jesus goes up to the coffin and he actually touches it, it is shocking. It is scandalous. People are like, oh my gosh, that's why the pallbearers actually stopped. They actually couldn't believe what Jesus was doing. You see, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, had all of these religious laws, all of these religious rules, and most of the rules were all concerned about the outside. They were like, this is what I want you to see about me, that I am holy, that I'm a good person. And they wanted you to see them portraying something. I mean, uh, they might not be like that on the inside, but on the outside, they wanted you to see that they had it all together and that they were truly religious, incredibly religious people. In fact, they did this by adding 613 laws to the Bible, and they would go ahead and they would follow each one of them, and they were very distinct and very strict. And one of them was that you never touched a dead body or anything that ever touched a dead body. Because if you did, you would be considered spiritually unclean. And you could not go to the temple. You could not do anything within the Jewish community. So here is Jesus, the prophet, exclaiming to everyone and claiming that he is the son of God. And now he touches something and it makes him spiritually unclean. You see, folks, when Jesus touched touched the coffin, when he touched maybe perhaps even the body, what happened was he crossed a line. And you know what I love about Jesus? Is that he is a line crosser. Every time religion tries to put some line to keep people away from God, Jesus steps across the line. He breaks a rule because love crosses lines. 
Folks, whatever line you feel like you're at right now, this is what you need to know, that Jesus crosses lines for those that he loves. And this is kind of the big reminder that I want you to take home with you this week. And it's this, Jesus crosses lines for those he loves. Jesus crosses lines for those that he loves. And this is what you need to know. Wherever you're at right now, Jesus loves you. He's incredibly in love with you. He wants to care for you, whatever hurt you're going through. He is there for you. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, that Jesus actually is a line crosser. He is a rule breaker. That's who Jesus is. And any distorted religion or law or legalism or rule that is not about love, what they basically are doing in the midst of that, they are drawing a line and they are keeping people out. And that's not what Jesus was about. And the tragedy, though, for many of you, is that for some of you, the reason you haven't really given your full life to the things of God is because you've seen some of these lines in the church. And you look at the church and you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to do the church thing because all those people are legalistic. I'm not going to do the church thing because all those people are judgmental. I'm not going to do the church thing because those people are hoity-toity. And they act like they have it all together. And what happens is that is religion gone wrong. Religion gone wrong. You see, with good intentions, what happens sometimes is that religions will kind of draw some lines. And if that part of the church ever bothers you, that there are lines that are drawn that keep people out, well, it actually bothered Jesus too. Jesus didn't want any external line drawn that would not allow people to experience his love, his grace, his goodness, and his power. And that's why we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. Let me say that again. We don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to actually bring people in. And that's what we want to become. We want to become a church that we will cross every line outside of sin to bring people into the love and the knowledge of God. So back to our story. Jesus ignores the religious policies and he actually touches the coffin. And perhaps he even touches the boy. Folks, no boundaries, no rules, no laws can keep Jesus from expressing his compassion when you and I are hurting. And Jesus touches the boy and the crowd kind of gasp and the pallbearers are in shock and the religious leaders then become ticked off for what Jesus had just done. But then the story takes a turn. He touches the coffin. He touches the boy. And immediately, the boy takes a breath. And he begins to start 
walking around and talking, and Jesus hands the boy over to his mother. Folks, whatever in your life feels dead right now, with one touch from Jesus, it might be able to be made alive again. With just one touch, one touch from Jesus, there was life, there was hope, there was something that was new. And maybe for some of you, there's something dead in your life right now, and you need one touch from him so that the author, the giver of life, can take whatever is dead in your life right now, and he can make it new. He can bring life to it. Because God cares for you. He has compassion for you. And when you're hurting, he doesn't walk away. He draws closer to you. Jesus saw the woman. He actually notices her hurt. He cares for her. He touched her. Just one touch, just one touch, folks, turned her world upside down. He made all the difference in the world to that mom that day. So let me ask you this morning this question. What is your one touch that you need from God today? What is your one touch that you need from God today? What is that one need that you have? Now, at the beginning of the teaching, you might remember I shared that if I had to kind of express my Mood, my emotional state in one word, I would say would be the word unsettled. And a couple of months ago, I felt this unsettledness. And so I went off to a a retreat center by myself to try to hear from God and asking God from a touch from heaven. You see, part of the reason why my life feels very unsettled right now is like I told you, there are different staff transitions going on and our operations pastor just had a stroke a few weeks ago. And so everything in that world right now feels uneasy. It's unknown. I'm not sure what the future holds and what that's going to look like. I, I simply have to trust God in the midst of this. And what happened in this time of my life is that my confidence started going down. And what I needed was, I needed a touch from God to give me confidence. That in the midst of transitions, it doesn't mean that things are all going to be settled and everything's going to be fine overnight. But in the midst of things being unsettled, that I actually can have confidence that God is doing something even when I can't see it. And I needed one touch. I needed one touch of confidence in my life. Because this is what you need to know about me, is that I don't have enough confidence on my own. I need confidence that comes from heaven that fills my soul in such a way that even when my life is unsettled, that I can trust in the confidence of God. That he still has a purpose for me. He has a plan. He has a purpose and plan for the jar. And he is moving in ways that I cannot see. And even when I'm unsettled, he is present and he's with me. So today, what touch do you need? Do you need a touch of assurance? 
that right now you feel all alone, you're going through something, you feel like no one can understand, and you need a touch of assurance that God is with you. Maybe for others of you, what you need right now is a touch of encouragement. There's a relationship in your life right now that is just kind of, you know, messed up. And it's so messed up that it feels dead. You're wondering if it will ever find a sense of life support. And you need a touch of encouragement that God is in the midst of that. And maybe for some of you, you need a touch of hope. You need a touch of hope because there's something in your life right now that feels very hopeless. And you need the hope of God. Folks, I don't know what touch you need, but this I do know. Jesus sees you. Jesus actually notices your hurt. And he is extending his compassion and care for you. And maybe today you need a touch. You need one touch from him, a word, a phrase, something in your life that will remind you, you are not alone. And you're not. And with one touch, it can make a difference in your entire world. Because God is head over heels in love with you. And he is present right now in this moment right here. Let's pray. God, I pray right now that just as you gave me a touch of confidence, God, I pray that you would give a touch to each person who's hurting right now in this auditorium and for each person who's hurting on the stream right now. I pray, God, that you would send one word of encouragement, one prayer, one scripture verse, one word, one touch that would remind them that you are with them, God, and you are for them. Remind them, God, that you see them, that you notice them, that you care for them, that they are not alone in the midst of this. And right now, If you want to experience God's compassion in your own life, if there's something that you're hurting with right now, and you're like, I need a touch from God. I'm hurting in this one area of my life. I need a touch from him. Not looking around at anyone else, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, God. That's me. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would be with each person who has that hurt. Let them know, God, that they are your son. They are your daughter. You are so head over heels in love with them, and you never, ever walk away. You are not a distant God. You are a close God. You are the God who goes to something that's dead, and you bring it back to life. And I pray right now, God, that you would give one word, one touch to people who are hurting. Remind them, God, that not only do you see them, but you notice the deep hurt that they're going through and that you care for them. And God, as we experience that from you, would you help us to be line crossers, rule breakers, doing whatever it takes outside of sin 
to love our community into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe there are some of you that are here today or maybe you're on the stream right now and there is, you realize that there's something that is deep and it's real and there's a spiritual need that's not being met in your life right now. And so if that's you, this is what I need you to know. That there is nothing from your past. There is absolutely nothing that you've ever done. There is no dark secret. There is nothing that you're ashamed of that God cannot forgive. In fact, that's what he loves to do. He loves to forgive people who are messed up and screwed, screw, have screwed up and have flubbed up just like I have, just like you have. He says, you know what I'll do? I'll actually cross lines to be able to let them know that they're forgiven. And he did. He crossed a line. He went to a cross. He died upon it. And he said, I'll cross this line and I'll take all their sins upon me. And three days later, he rose again so that you would know that this is not the end of life. There is life beyond this life that you will be with him for all of eternity. And then he said this, anyone, and that includes you, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven, will be made new. And today, if you're ready to say, I want Jesus in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need one touch from him to remind me that I am not alone, that in my hurt, he is present. If you need that touch from him, I'm going to invite us in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together in unity. And I invite you to just simply close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. I invite you into my heart. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.